Mother sat next to Papa, smoothing his hair, and it looked as if his distress had eased. He almost looked comfortable, or so I had thought, until the slight restlessness of his hands fluttered to a stop. As Mother bent her ear against Papa's chest, I had held my breath, praying he only slept. Silently, she took his hand in hers and sank back against the sideboards, closing her eyes in her own private grief. I'd sat there frozen, looking at her, seeing nothing, feeling nothing but a pitiful tingling somewhere in my body which was separate from my mind. That had been when I first realized the truth. That was when the distance that spread between my mother and myself had finally hit me. We could not even share our pain. I had recorded his death, but nothing more. I couldn't. I was full of words but had no one with whom to share them, and I felt Papa's loss all the more because of it. How I ached to talk to him, to tell him my thoughts as I had always done before. Perhaps such a need was in part why he'd been so pleased that first night on the trail when he had presented the rap journal to me. As a substitute friend he'd said, knowing how busy the trail would keep us, knowing, too, how much I would miss our leisure confidences. Record everything, Marjorie. Share our journey in this. It'll become a handy friend for you, remembering all but arguing nothing. We haven't much time, Marjorie. Mother's words broke into my thoughts, interrupting memories to which I clung. I gripped the button hook between my fingers and fastened my shoes. Papa could never have known then, I thought, how much I would need the friend he'd given me, wrapped in brown paper. "'You best empty the pan beside Papa first, Mother said when she noticed I'd finished with my shoes. With too many thoughts, too many feelings to sort through, I tried to focus on attending to Mother. I watched her clear away the clutter.' Papa's rifle swayed gently from a hoop overhead as she made her way forward, and I remembered how often he used to swing around from the driver's box to join us in the wagon, only to bump his head against the heavy butt of the gun. It became a game that gave the boys a happy opportunity for making sport of Papa, which prompted his response of engaging in a serious tickle attack. There had been a time when Mother would have joined in the fun— but her sense of humor had long since faded. I especially noticed its absence on occasions when celebrations were left to Papa and me. Papa did, too. When our wagon train finally pulled out of Independence, past the springs and beyond tents of greedy profiteers hawking their wares, he had shouted out and hugged me from the pure joy of being on our way, farming the land, working with his hands— a new life once we reached the Oregon. But he hadn't even made it halfway. Marjorie, the pan. Again, Mother's voice sliced through my thoughts, sharp, effective. I hauled myself to my feet and maneuvered past the trunk to get to the basin. Taking an opportunity to whisper goodbye, I knelt beside Papa. His eyes were not quite closed, and for an instant I almost expected him to meet my glance with a teasing wink. But he didn't. Instead, an awful slit of sightless vacancy stared back, 
ignoring my tears. I seized the pan and left him and slipped outside. The icy blue stars had already lost their brilliance to the relentless dawning of a new day. Yet I wanted the peace of night's solitude. I needed time. Time to damn the raging emotions coursing through my veins. Anger and love, hate and guilt all mixed together— and I needed time to examine the terrible regret that began to fester within my loneliness. I should have talked to Papa. I should have insisted. Now it was too late. Now all I could do was empty the last of his life's blood onto the roots of a nearby scrub. For a memorial, I chose the healthiest bush that I could find in the semi-dark. Because we hadn't made it to water, I dared not use what little we had to rinse the pan— So, with a strange sense of intimacy, I wiped the tin with a clump of dirt.